my background is yeah, absolutely kitchens. Um, yeah, my, my role is changing. My priorities are, are kind of have certainly shifted um, since becoming a business owner. The Interpreting Wine Hospitality Summit was recorded in September 2020 with the world recovering from the global pandemic and the hospitality sector still particularly challenged. Allow me, Interpreting Wine founder Lawrence Francis, to be your guide to this series of seven episodes featuring some of the UK's most respected voices discussing the impacts of the pandemic on food, wine, cocktails, bars, retail and events. Listen, share ideas and reconnect during this four-day virtual summit held across web, podcast and social media. Please do share content and ideas using the hashtag IWSummit and encourage anyone who might be interested to sign up at interpretingwine.com slash summit. Welcome to day two, session two of the Interpreting Wine Hospitality Summit 2020. We continue with restaurants and travel to Heritage Restaurant West Sussex to speak with chef owner Matt Gillen and general manager Hannah Bamford. We hear origin stories from the pair and how they came to be working together in setting up the restaurant. They take us inside the story of opening the restaurant in 2019 giving us a virtual tour of front of house and the kitchen. They talk about the immediate reaction in March 2020 when it became apparent the restaurant would have to close. We discuss keeping their customers engaged during lockdown while being mindful that their regulars were unable to visit. And the pair finish by looking ahead beyond the immediate situation and talk to their future ambitions. Enjoy. My name is Matt Gillen. I am the chef owner of a restaurant called Heritage in Slatham in Sussex. Um, we opened in August 2019 um, after a very successful crowdfunding project um, where we raised uh, close to £90,000. Uh, the target was 60000 and we did we smashed that in six days. Um, so it was quite incredible, really. Um, and previous to that, I was, I was at, uh, well, spent most of my career at like the highest end restaurants in the country. So Gordon Ramsay and the Vignal with John Campbell, Midsummer House, um, and then went on to earn my own Michelin star at South Lodge with the pass. Um, I was at South Lodge for 10 years. And then I gave up an amazing job <laughs> to, to then go and um, kind of branch off and do my own thing in Brighton with them. Um, couple of business partners um and just did something very different very kind of crazy very uh coffee house cafe based with a kind of high-end restaurant um evening offer um which is where um i met hannah um so hannah bamford she's uh, the general manager of heritage and she's also with me here um and we just had a very kind of i guess similar attitude and outlook as to what we wanted to do if we had our own places so separate to that if you went off and could just open it your dream restaurant what would it be um and so they're kind of quite in line with uh we were quite in line with each other's kind of thoughts and vision and um i think it just not even 
it wasn't really a conversation, but I think just something synced up in both our heads that maybe, you know, if that opportunity ever came up, then, then we could do something, you know, and, and, um, and it did. And that opportunity kind of amazingly kind of presented itself. It was kind of quite weird. Um, and yeah, so Hannah came on board, um, heritage last year well it was well before we opened she took a punt like like I I said I had this crazy idea it's like this is what we're doing I found this property and it's probably never going to happen but it might happen and that's literally how we pitched it I think I handed my notice in the week after yeah I was like you're mad what you're doing so so yeah and and kind of it went from there so I think it was a good it was just an idea when Hannah kind of was on board with it really Um, and yeah it was Kind of, it's great. It's great, you know. Okay, and then I think yeah, you you sort of set up Hannah perfectly there to yeah, I guess fill in a little bit of your your backstory, you know, and and as I say, just sort of take us through in that you know fairly high level way, pretty much up to up to date. So uh, my name's Hannah, and I am general manager at Heritage, and I've worked in hospitality or hospitality related roles. Um, for just over 10 years now. Um, I spent a long time training to be a lawyer um, and then about four years ago um, decided that actually hospitality was really where my passion was and um, decided to stop training to be a lawyer and um, was offered a general manager position working with Matt down in Brighton. Um, and so we worked down there together for just over two years, I think, and then had a um, brief six months where we were kind of doing the background for Heritage and then came on board last year in springtime. Um, and then I've been here ever since. And it's my role to sort of train and develop the front of house and sort of really push the service and the wine and um, all of the kind of front of house and business management side of things. Um, and yeah, so I've been working with you for about four years now and it's we're definitely very much in line with the kind of standards we're very similar and we know exactly what we want to do and it's really it's quite lucky that I have a lot of freedom to do pretty much what I want with front of house within reason but no it's been a real pleasure and heritage is just such a unique opportunity um and it's really really great to have been on board since sort of the first conception of the idea when heritage really was an empty shell in the middle of nowhere and in sort of less than a year's time it's kind of become this sort of beacon of really excellent food drink and hospitality in in sussex and something that i'm really proud to be a part of rightly or wrongly uh, i feel as though we it's almost like you've led me to almost to that point in august 2019 it's almost like i feel like i'm standing outside heritage now so i i, I really i think what would flow really nicely is is just to almost i've never been there so you know potentially kind of give me a bit of a virtual tour and i and i feel like yeah the interplay between both of you you know we'll we'll cover sort of back of house front of house and and you know the experience that i might get if i were to 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 come or or when i come (laughs) if you look at it on a map um so slatham is like this tiny it's not not even a village it's like i don't know what you call what are they (laughs) cul-de-sac in the country um 
it's tiny, like it's super small. But if you look at it on a map, it's actually its location is yeah. You know, we're five minutes from the A23, fifteen minutes from Gatwick, we're twelve minutes from Horsham, we're about fifteen minutes from Haywards Heath, we're um, twenty-five minutes from Brighton. Um, and so, like location-wise, it's amazing. Um, but once you get off those main roads to get to Heritage, every, every there's about three or four different ways you can get physically get to the building. Um, and they're all windy country roads, and which I loved when I first came here. That was one of the selling mm-hmm. points. Before I even got here, I was like, wow, I love this, because you, you feel like you're on a journey before you even get here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super accessible. Um, and so, yeah, with just this heritage is this former pub, this massive kind of dominant white building that sits in the village. You get here and you already feel like a million miles away from like where you came from. Um, and it's this kind of instant relaxation. Uh, and then, you know, it is quite a big building that we have. And uh, once when I originally took it, it was kind of two massive rooms and we kind of chopped it up uh, to create this journey to carry on the journey essentially. So once you come in, kind of really warm kind of almost like beach surf shack style bar, just to move away from that that kind of feeling of a pub, um, and so it's, it's still super casual when you come in. And then as we take you through the building, we have various different rooms, very different styles, uh, just to create a little bit of interest before you even get to the restaurant itself. Um, yeah, yeah. And then once you've wandered through the restaurant, uh, we've got these, we've got a nice garden which then overlooks this quite substantial field. Um, we've kind of got the cows grazing out there as well. But it just feels it feels like you are in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's beautiful. It's just calming. The whole place is just calming. It's really not mm-hmm. hard to it. Because um, what we do here is very sort of guest, we lead the guests around. It's really important to have those sort of points of difference. And what I really like about Heritage is that we're very sure about what we're doing, but we can offer a little something for everybody. And if you're coming here um, for sort of a weekend away or for a special occasion, you can do everything that you want to do in this one building. So we've got five um, lovely bedrooms upstairs and um, we have a more casual pub bar lounge with bar snacks and um, we've got a very cool steampunk cocktail lounge as well and then the restaurant which is uh, which is really sort of clean and um, very modern in style so there's literally everything that you could possibly want to do that most of the time if you're doing that you'd have to hop from different bar mm-hmm. to restaurant mm-hmm. you can do that all here which is really nice and um, it just adds to the guest experience and sort of having it all under one roof. I'm kind of yeah, picturing, yeah, from the journey through to going through the front door, the whole the whole piece sort of evolving. And uh, yeah, for, for 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 some reason, it, it's it's reminding me, you know, the, the sort of choose your own adventure <laughs> type story. <laughs> You can sort of do the casual bit. You can do the sort of stay over and uh, you, you can sort of make it be what it is for you or you can sort of tailor it to, to what it is that you're, you're looking for. Um, and, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, you know, for, for, for the both of you equally, I mean, could, could you give us a, a sort of a, a, a sense of the, the kitchen? I mean, it, you know, was it a big um, leap from what was actually – there beforehand was that where a lot of time and uh, an effort had to be invested into into sort of bringing that back of house really up to up to speed with with what you'd created front of house 
Do you know what? It, so if you went back like 10 years, so when I was I was working for the people, um, you're like, why are you not spending money in the kitchen? We need this, 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 this. Um, now, I totally get why you don't spend money in the kitchen because you have all these the guest-facing areas which are actually more important. And so with the kitchen, I didn't, we didn't have a lot of money anyway. Um, and so the, the key thing was just to we just redid the floor. Um, I think that was it. <laughs> I think that's all, all, the, all that I did in the kitchen. Left over, um, wasn't there? Yeah, no, there was kind of quite a bit of kit anyway. So we just had that all serviced. I bought a lot of stuff from auction sites and um, just honestly, it looks like a, a kind of patchwork kind of quilt really um you know we just made it properly functional and mm-hmm. um and that's what it needed to be and it, yeah it kind of did the job at that point but the most important for me for opening was to make sure that the front of house was um and the restaurant was comfortable it, it looked good uh, and you know you have to there's no point plowing fifty thousand pounds into the kitchen and you know giving the guests rubbish seats and and kind of cheap glassware so, um, yeah, so we kind of muddled through for, for about a year and then uh, just recently we have kind of upgraded a little bit of the kitchen and just, you know, all the benches are all level now, which is nice. We'll get a couple of new bridges it's so the boys were happy. Um, and, yeah, but you have to grow to those things. And so, yeah, where, you know, my, my background is yeah, absolutely kitchens. Um, yeah, my, my role is changing. My priorities are, are kind of have certainly shifted um, since becoming a business owner. And at that point, so when we were open in August, so I didn't have the bedrooms uh, ready to go just because we didn't have the money. And so you know, the priority from that point was always we need to get those bedrooms open. Um, so everything can wait. The restaurants are good. Everything, everyone's, everything, one has what they need for the time being. So let's get those bedrooms open. And once those bedrooms are open, then it, it changes the business model totally. Um, and, you know, the, the kind of the you know, profit on bedrooms, as everyone knows, you know, it's, it's kind of quite healthy. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, use that to then reinvest back into the business and then, uh, and then really start to grow it. But yeah, from, yeah, there was, there was just kind of little, little kind of small plans and, and a timeline for when we were going to do stuff. Um, and so now we're at a point where, you know, we're looking at, you know, chairs. Okay. The next thing will be, we'll, we'll change the chairs. So we bought what I could afford at the time. Um, and then weren't quite what we wanted, but you know, next thing is, okay, once we get some cash, we'll redo those and, and now we can start just, um, yeah, reinvesting properly and, and just making everything better. That's, that's really clear. And, and I think also think it's, um, I think it's, a, it's an, an exciting, um, I guess time in the in the development, you know, just to to sort of check in and and still still hear from you while those those challenges and and those decisions are, are still quite fresh in your mind because you know in 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 five ten years time you'll have you'll have forgotten about all of those things and uh, it's- <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I don't know but I think but I think with this I think when you have your own business and your own restaurant you can like if you want to stand still absolutely fine. Um, but I'm just not that person. I know we will constantly evolve and, um, you know, whether it's this site or we do something else mm-hmm. as well, or there, there will be something and I can't, I can't see myself slowing down mentally, um, like five, no. ten years, you know. <laughs> I'd like to think I will. I'd love to be sat at home yeah. on my feet, yeah. but I don't see it happening. I felt, 
as though this was the right time to do this summit, you know, in, in, in terms of what's happened this year, you know, and, and the massive stresses really that, that have, that have come, come to the hospitality sector. And, uh, you know, I did, I did think about doing something similar earlier on in the year to, to kind of just try to help people keep front of mind and, and, and get the word out there. But it, it felt like now was the right time because places are, are reopening. And, and I, I feel as though there's still kind of work to be done in, in, in terms of, I guess, you know, gi- giving people uh, a voice and giving, giving the listeners and, and giving uh, people that, you know, have been potentially scared to go out giving them maybe the confidence to to get out there and and that's you know ultimately what hospitality needs isn't it is people people to 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 go out there and fill those spaces that you've created with laughter and with bars and 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 you know with with that energy yeah absolutely i mean that we we can't operate without people that's our business our business is people um yeah and 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 that being said i i also thought like maybe you know we're, we're sort of six months past from march and i thought maybe that's enough distance to look back and and yeah i i think really sort of share both of yours experiences of of you know what was march like you know is i mean you, you're only seven months in what were sort of the moments early on in 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 March and and, and around that time when kind of realised that you know something big was was happening? I think um, for both of us, our initial reaction was just how can we support our team through this? And obviously, um, that dreaded week when on the Monday um, the government said stop going out to restaurants and the furlough scheme hadn't yet been announced, Mm -hmm. um, that was absolutely terrifying um, for us because we have a small team, but they, you know, is still 18 people that we need to make sure are looked after and both sort of financially and on like a mental health level as well. Um, and so when the furlough scheme was announced, it was a huge relief, I think, for both of us that we knew that we could, we had help in sort of protecting people, protecting their jobs as well. Um, but it was um, another thing was mother's day weekend was the weekend that we were shut down so we'd really geared up for a very very busy weekend and i'd ordered a lot of champagne for mothers on on that sunday and then on the friday night and we were told we had to close and Mm -hmm. that was a real shame that we had all of that sort of stock and we were ready to go and we'd lost some bookings but that we'd we were still looking pretty busy for that weekend when we were told that we could no longer operate as a restaurant and so it was a bit of a shame and um having to call around all of our guests and and say you know we're really sorry and obviously they understand what's going on and most of them have already been back in the last two weeks that we've been open which has been really lovely to see everyone again um but it was a really stressful week that week wasn't it yeah it wasn't one of the best i've had some stressful weeks you know (laughs) um and i think from my point of view when so just watching what was going on anyway so it's not like we went into it blind we buried our heads we knew like we planned and we almost plucked out a date of we knew lockdown was coming just based on what was happening in Italy. so like we weren't following that then 
but yeah, everyone did everything differently. But yeah, we we followed that. It's like, okay, right. We're gonna we're gonna close, and so I think it was probably the week after. I think we'd mm-hmm. kind of penciled in. So when yeah, when that news came on that Monday, um, but and it was our busiest week, literally our busiest week we since we have, opened. Yeah. It would have been yeah, it, you know, it was a lot of all weeks for it to happen. Mm-hmm. As well. um, and so yeah, but the staff the staff was the biggest thing. It's you know, so like, what do we do with the staff? Like, what business has been open six months, you know, I don't have, we don't have these like massive reserves of cash. So how long can we survive? Um, or will we survive? Like there's just so many unknowns. And so, you know, you put so much time and effort into creating something super special um, to then, and, you know, and it's the combination of like decades of work really um, to then have it kind of like ripped away from you like that. It was, um, yeah, it was a tough week, really tough. Um, and then you kind of regroup, and that weekend, so okay, right, we have we've got a lot of stuff. We, so when we when we were planning, or when we were kind of expecting that lockdown to come, we'd we'd kind of talked about this idea of shifting to takeaway, uh, and and doing that kind of thing. And then when we had to close on the Friday, it's like right, we go with takeaway tomorrow, literally overnight. Right. We from this high end fine dining restaurant to operating a kind of you know taking my kind of casual. Electro pirate brand, and uh, yeah, we did we did kind of burgers and what else did we do? burgers roast and boxes. roast boxes for the weekend. So for Mother's Day, um, we got a whole whole lamb from just down the road and broke it down. And we did these kind of lamb roast boxes for Mother's Day, and so, you know, it was really good. It was it was really kind of positive. Um, so yeah, it was just just kind of trying trying to turn these like massive negatives yeah. into a bit of yeah. positive and just keep everyone upbeat, and and it was great. You know, everyone kind of. Uh, like switched up, adjusted to it, and you know, absolutely smashed it that weekend. It's great. Um, yeah, but then, then on the Sunday, we just had to make the call. I spoke to um, uh, so a general manager not too far from here, and just had a really good kind of conversation. And he's like, "Do you know what you? He said, as much as you can do these little bits, it's not going to be enough for you for you to survive. You need to just kind of lock down, protect what you've got." And, you know, the furlough scheme's coming up, like, just get the staff on that scheme and just, like, like operate and stand by, just, just, like, ride it out somehow. So, um, mm-hmm. so, so that Monday, it was, it was kind of, it was tough. It was a tough decision because, because we had such a good weekend with our takeaway stuff. And then you think about it, it's like, is there, is this momentum going to carry on? Um, and then ultimately I thought, you know what, it's just not worth it. It's, it's, um, the staff, the staff are protected. Yeah. By closing, yeah. we actually protect the business rather than trying to kind of mm-hmm. limp through, trying mm-hmm. to generate mm-hmm. some cash, um, which may or may not be enough. And so, so yeah, we kind of just closed up. As, as you say, you know, staff, um, you're, you know, you're, yourselves, um, but it's, it's kind of yeah, go, going into as you say, a standby, like kind of you know, pa- pausing really, hitting the hitting the pause button, yeah. um, and and I guess you didn't know how long that was potentially going to be for. No, <laughs> so we thought. So we looked at. So when they were talking about the peak, um, and so again, looking at Italy, so you could see at what point they had. They'd hit because they were, I think it was two weeks ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And so then you kind of work on that same kind of decline as, as the incline. Um, but no, it was just, I, I didn't expect to be closed as long as we were. Um, 
and then yeah <laughs> it was just indefinite I think it was a bit more possibly frustrating or, or kind of worrying for for the staff mm-hmm. because like they had no idea as much as I was trying to kind of keep people up like certainly Hannah updated as to what's going on like there's also a lot of information or non-information coming from the government to say yeah, what's going on it's literally just mm-hmm. wait mm-hmm. that's all we can do just wait I think when we left on that Sunday, it was very much a, oh, we'll just see you in a couple of weeks. And then it was sort of five months before we got everyone together again. Um, So it definitely went on for a lot longer than we expected. um, And I think we we, um, postponed that as well. So as much as we could have opened in July, Mm -hmm. weren't really open, ready to open in July. You know, and again, it comes down to the, the unknowns and the uncertainty. Like if we open the doors, who's going to come in? Um, yeah. So, so let's, let's ride out. Let's look at August to reopen, give it a month, see where people are at. Um, and then hopefully it would kind of, everything would have died down a bit, like naively, everything would have died down. We'll be back to normal and then we can reopen the doors. Um, and that didn't happen. And then I ran the figures for August <clears throat> as well. And it was just like, and, and just been really, really conservative with like the numbers coming in, just the distance in between tables, the amount of money we'd need to spend on, I don't know, screens and signage and you know, floor stickers, but all of these things. And it's like, you know what, this is it's not worth it. Like, it yeah. yeah. If no one comes through that door, that's we're finished, like literally yeah. finished. Yeah, yeah. So, so we had a conversation. It was like, well, let's push that back to September. We'll get a full month. It's another month as well. Schools go back. People, look, the furlough scheme will start to warm up a little bit. You know, it changes from from that point. So let's go with September. One of the reasons I really wanted to speak to you both is is your location because I'm I'm here in West London and I've been speaking to people who are based in like zone one in the, in the city. Uh, yeah. West, West London and, and, but neighborhood sites, you know, people who've got wine bars in, in Clapham and, and uh, Battersea and, and, you know, these places where, okay, this is a, this is a, a bad situation right the way across the board, but they, they've maybe benefited from a little bit of that kind of, you know, so many people work, professionals working from home, wanting to, I guess, support the visible um, businesses, cafes, wine bars, etc. In, in their in their local community, kind of, you know, five minutes walk from home. It feels as though you don't necessarily have that. It is as you as you sort of painted the picture at the start. You're you're kind of close to lots of places, and but sort of in your own little bubble yeah. as well your own sort of little location i wonder if you just sort of yeah introduce in a sense uh, you know like who are the customers i mean you sort of spoken about some of those places but i guess the key thing is really like how do, how do you keep those customers engaged you know when you've had to make that difficult decision to close the doors there isn't necessarily a a, a takeaway option and and also that they're, they're likely to be by the sounds of it 10 15 minute drive away so unlikely to sort of, you know, be able to sort of even see what's going on. Like, how, how do you keep those people engaged over that over that period? And did, did, did the ideas for doing that sort of change over over time? Um, we didn't really. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I mean, so what? Like our 
that our social media kind of it, it relies on things happening, like doing things or something yeah. that's newly coming up yeah. or any events yeah. that we have in the pipeline. And there's there was nothing. We didn't have even have a, an opening date. Um, so it was yeah, it was, it was kind of tricky. And maybe maybe it wasn't the right way to go about it, but you know, <laughs> it's it's kind of a tricky time, you know. It felt a bit to me like I was kind of rubbing it in a little, mm. posting pictures of the garden looking beautiful or food and things, knowing that we're not actually able to do that. And it, I'm still engaging with the customers. Mm. We're mm. still contacting everybody that had reservations and sort of um, giving out sort of our newsletter as and when we had news to give. Um, but we also, we're, we're incredibly lucky to have a really, really loyal following and particularly our sort of neighbors in the village they're really really invested in heritage and Mm, mm -hmm. you know they're not upset that we've been kind of um AWOL on social medias because Matt's been at heritage pretty much every day over lockdown gardening and building so there is still a point of contact for them there that they can sort of um see him doing some work and have a chat and um also from kind of from the even back to the crowdfunding, mm-hmm. there were 600 mm-hmm. people that supported Heritage in getting open in the first place. And every single one of those people is really invested in getting the, the restaurant back open and busy. And I certainly don't think that we damaged our following by sort of quieten, quietening down on the social media front at all. Mm-hmm. And there was still always somebody that could be contacted if they had questions and um, we, we didn't let any of that sort of side of things go. But I didn't really want to be posting beautiful photos of food or cocktails when nobody can go out and enjoy that. Um, it just it didn't really feel like we had it was the right time to be sort of posting about that. And then when we did have an opening date, then we really started ramping that up very quickly. And um, I mean, we're pretty much fully booked now till the end of the month. And the rooms are pretty much fully booked till the end of the year, almost. So um, I think it's looking really good. And I think it was... Yeah, there was nothing, and a lot of people did the takeaway boxes and everything. So they they had chat, and it goes it goes back to kind of if, you, if we have some if we're doing something, then we can post about it. But we just weren't. And, uh, I think there were little bits of, but I did start posting about some of the things I was doing here, just because we had so many. Because we're on a, um, we've got a, like a, a county walk that goes right past the front door, and so you know we we always get people stopping and. Um, and they say, oh, is the place closed? Because our sign blew up, blew off in the wind in kind of February, I think it was January or February. And so it, looked, it did look like we were closed. And so you know, I thought, well, I, might, I should just post a little bit. It's just to suggest we are open. And we had a new sign made just to show that we will be reopening. And yeah. Just a bit yeah. of positivity, really. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing else to post. There's nothing yeah. else to talk about. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Up until we had that opening date. And then once we had that opening date, like Hannah said, we've been, you know, started to ramp up. Um, but it was again it was tricky because like we're just constantly on edge about whether that date's going to have to move again because of you know another spike or you know mm-hmm. lockdown or whatever but certainly as we were getting closer to opening um, there were a few few um, cities up north that then started going on to local lockdowns who thought oh no 
like please no we've just we've just we're just about ready to reopen here like don't, don't please don't let this happen yeah 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 and and i think you know and at the end of the day like that's the the proof point isn't it you know you're you're hannah sharing there about the bookings you know people haven't forgotten you people are invested um and maybe you know may, maybe the the you know the what what that is as a result of is is really what's been done over those seven months when you were when you were open in that first element and, and what experience that you were giving to people and um those those things i think stay with people and and it you know it sounds as though yeah you're you're definitely yeah one of those places that people wanted to to to, to come back to as soon as they were allowed to yeah and i think i think there was um like, i can't think for for other people and the reasons for coming here but i think there is yeah. that element of, as much as we didn't we weren't engaged with everyone like locally during that lockdown like we were on that weekend just before we closed um there's certainly been this move of looking after going to independence and the local kind of operators whether it be I don't know, the butcher or the, the fishmonger or the bed shop or whoever because they were they were the ones that were there when like the big companies couldn't be. Yeah. And I think yeah. it has spilled out to others, to the independent restaurants and and things like that. And so yeah, over the the guests that we've had over the, the first six ish months that we were open have all been desperate to come in. We have a good like local following. When I say local, it's probably within I don't know what twenty miles. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know we're in. I, I spoke to a lot of people, and we we were in their thoughts like when we went into lockdown yeah. because yeah. we've been open six months, and they're like, oh no, like, are they going to be all right? And so straight away they want to come back and support us to make sure that we we do survive. And it's just had this knock on like it's, it's been mental. Like, mm-hmm. The bookings are insane. Yeah. I like to sort of close off the interview with with an element of of looking ahead, you know. But that being said, I, you know, I, I'm fully empathetic to how difficult that is when you know we. I guess we we've seen in terms of operationally, so much is kind of outside of our hands, isn't it? It's like if if a region, as you say, is locked down, then that's kind of trumps everything else that you know businesses have to, to kind of adapt and i'm just curious you know and i think again you know the interplay between you i think will be interesting here like how how far do you actually allow yourselves to look ahead now and then how positively are you able to to look ahead to to closing in on the rest of the the year and operating in in the rest of the year well matt really likes to look always sort of five phases ahead of where we are but won't write me a christmas menu um so <laughs> um i think it's really important to still focus on the future of the business and we're obviously not naive to what's happening and we are prepared for if we are put into a local lockdown but i still think we have to proceed as planned and try our best to keep the business moving forward um we've obviously just been we've just been dealt a six month blow on that sort of development plan but um I certainly think that we're still sort of looking ahead 
And I'm, I'm thinking about Christmas and group bookings and things. Obviously, we're not allowed to have tables for more than six people anymore inside. And um, so that might impact Christmas parties. But we're not really a venue that does huge Christmas parties anyway. It's more intimate. It's more sort of families of four or couples. And um, so I'm hoping that it won't impact mm-hmm. us too much mm-hmm. in terms of the short term looking towards the end of the year. So the focus has been up until de- the end of December, really. And so, like, what what is that landscape going to look like? And um, so, we just based it on last year, like last December. And so, we had we had a good December last year, and obviously, you hope for your second December and Christmas period to be better than the first. Um, and I don't think it's going to be too dissimilar to what we had last year. Um, and so, if it's better, then that's amazing, and that that exceeds my expectations. But just I guess, like from my point of view, it's just a cash thing. It's like, you know, October. October is like notoriously rubbish, and then beginning of November, and then once you get into like mid-November, then it starts to peak, and then you hit December. Um, but our October, November looks really good, so it's it's um, kind of basing it along that. And so I think if if December is along the lines of October, November, then that gives us a good end to the year. Um, and good, gives us kind of a good start for next year. Um, but there's some other things in the pipeline coming in December, which will really kind of boost our January, February. So, you know, we're all into, all into kind of that period. Um, but, you know, and then we're just looking at other projects, like what else can we do with the building? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, I don't really want to say too much about that at the moment because it involves like landlords <laughs> so, um and then other bigger things which again we don't want to look at but like a second site is certainly something that i want to um kind of look at you know not necessarily it might not come up to anything but um you know just to look at growing the business and uh you know have, a, have another kind of venue under our umbrella for under precision mm-hmm. um so kind of hannah's development just to kind of move her into a, a position where she's kind of like like head of operations and stuff and so you know they could be a year or two years away but that's that's where we want to get to and employ more people you know i think we've got there's going to be a really tricky time coming up in the next two months <clears throat> at the worst possible time you know just before christmas um so it seemed that can we can we somehow you know give people a bit of hope get like you know create jobs um give them security and um, not to be any sort of hero, but our our job is about people, and you know if if we can if we can create jobs and give people um, you know an opportunity to work and 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 also develop them and and grow them, then you know, I'd love to do that. Um, yeah. We'd love to do that. It's a big part of what we do already is taking people on that are amazing in terms of personality but may not have the experience working at high level in the restaurant especially front of house and so sort of these these guys have been with us for a couple of months and they're absolute superstars and they're the people along with the great food and the boys in the kitchen but they're the people that our guests come back for and so it's really really important to have this amazing team of people that are really personable and really friendly, but the service is always slick and professional at the same time. And we like to do that. We like to train and develop that and sort of make sure that, um, you know, when they do eventually move on to other roles that they're really proud to say that they worked with us here at Heritage. I think it's the same for you in the kitchen too. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, they're just trying to keep them. We're not saying right, we don't want them to kind of branch out. But if we can somehow do that and grow grow the company and grow our people, um, and if that means kind of taking other things on to, in a, in order to do that, then. Yeah, cool. I'm all up for that. That's why I was saying earlier that in five, ten years' time, I'll probably, you know, <laughs> won't be sat on the sofa with my feet up. Um, there's, you know, there's always another crazy idea going on somewhere. Another huge thank you to you, Matt, and to you, Hannah, for appearing. Really great to feature a restaurant outside of London. And as I say, can't wait to get down there and sample your hospitality. If there is a space available, that is. It's certainly an exciting sounding journey that you're both on, and I can't wait to hear what comes next. If you are listening on the Interpreting Wine website, you can, of course, check below for the full transcript of this session. The PDF also includes my key takeaway points, and I've, of course, included the website and main social media handles for Heritage. Day three of the summit will look at the cocktails and bars sector. And who better to speak to that than the co-founders of London Cocktail Week, Hannah Sharman-Cox and Siobhan Payne. So do be sure to check back for day three of the Interpreting Wine Hospitality Summit 2020. See you then.